Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. I started this new subscription thing where there will be some bonus episodes for people who subscribe. It's only $6 a month. I think it's $5.99, actually, or $6.99, I forget. And um, if you subscribe, then also if you write in to me, I will prioritize answering your question in a podcast episode. So that is cool. Um, Anyhow, so today what I'm going to talk about is when parents think that their kids are ungrateful or disrespectful. This is a common issue that comes up, especially because many people I work with have, um, they're giving their children a lifestyle that is a lot different than the parents' own lifestyle when they were growing up. Now, I don't just mean materially, although that is frequently the case that the child has a lot more opportunities, that the child has infinity, extracurriculars, and all of these things that you wish that you had had, video games, whatever. Um, But I also mean emotionally. Because particularly anybody who's going to be listening to my podcast or who's read parenting books knows that um, their parents were doing no such thing. I mean, you know, nobody was really except for Dr. Spock. People listen to Dr. or read Dr. Spock. But parenting books were not like a big deal. So unless your parent happened to be securely attached and mentally healthy and you won that genetic lottery, then um, you may have grown up with a lot more emotionally um, dysfunctional or even emotionally abusive or neglectful behaviors in your family of origin toward you than you're trying to do with your kids. You're trying to give your kids a lot more emotionally healthy um, uh, an, an experience than you had. So, for example, when you were little, if you cried, your parents might have said, suck it up, I'll give you something to cry about, and now you try to validate your child's emotion and all of this. Now, you can take this to an extreme, I've written about this, and I'll link you in the uh, description to my episode about, to my uh, blog post, rather, about not over-validating your kids' every emotion and not compulsively validating and verbalizing them to the fact that they, to the point that they feel like you're in their head and they don't even know what they're thinking before you say it. This is well-intentioned but can run afoul because the parent is so committed to the idea of never invalidating the child that the parent errors on the other side. Whenever you have a 180-degree swing from your own parents, it's likely not good. Usually, it's like supposed to be like a 90-degree swing, and that's a moderate approach. But many times, people go from like so. For example, what we're talking about here is if your parents made fun of you every time you have an emotion, then you may have gone to the other extreme of every time your child has a feeling, you are so upset and you try to validate the shit out of it. And then turns out that then your kids end up thinking that they are at the center of the universe because that is what you're acting like. 
Now, you yourself as a kid felt the opposite, that you were not even in the universe that your parents inhabited and that you were uh, not a priority at all. But there is a downside, obviously, to both you and your kids of making them feel like the center of the universe. And I've also written... um, I've done a podcast about don't let your kids treat you like garbage, which is where some of this comes from, and there's a big overlap. But really, what we're going to be addressing here are what are some pragmatic, concrete ways, and this is how I like to roll, not just in the realm of the abstract. What are some concrete, abstract, uh, <laughs> some concrete, not abstract ways that you can behave and react when your children act ungrateful and disrespectful? And what are some ways to reframe this with a fuller understanding of human development and child development? So first of all, your kids, I like to say this to my clients, but it really cannot be overstated. Your kids do not have a split screen where they see your childhood unfolding on one side and then their childhood next to it. Because if they did, they would understand that their childhood is like, you know, rolling around in a field of cotton candy while petting a unicorn next to the shit that you dealt with. But they don't know that. And so... One thing to do, and this is not to guilt trip your children, but because you actually do want your child to know you, this isn't bad. Your child's supposed to know you. It's not just that you know everything about your child, but then you're just this benevolent force in their lives, but not a human. The thing that people want very badly when they are adults is to know their parents better and to understand why their parents acted as they did. So if you deny this to your kids out of a desire to protect them and not tell them anything bad, then you may be doing them a disservice. So the first thing to do, honestly, is to situate your child's experience. And you can do this from as young as you know, as you're talking to them, you know, uh, but at a developmentally appropriate level, you want to situate their experience within a larger context, particularly the context of your own life. So no, you shouldn't say, oh, everything sucked for me and now it's so much better for you all the time as like a, a mantra of guilt induction. But when you do have heart-to-hearts with your kids, you can say, you know, some of the reason I think that I have been very soft on you um, is because my parents were really hard on me, and they were hard on me in this and this a way. So, for example, uh, personally, my parents would fight all the time, and uh, that is why I try not to fight in front of my children, you know, but to some extent, if they didn't understand this, they wouldn't understand that this is um, a big deal. They would just assume, you know, that this is like a thing, like, you know, parents don't fight in front of their kids, and they wouldn't really understand that for some kids it's different, and that that's kind of a good situation that they're in, and why I, mommy, because this is a personal example, why I may react so, um, why I may be so triggered by uh, conflict in the home, by even them fighting, because I grew up around a lot of fighting. So if I tell them something about my experience, they can understand me better and not just think, why does she hate it so much when we're bickering, you know? Obviously, I should work on being less reactive to their fighting. That goes be that's without saying goes without saying, but I'll say it. But if they understand that maybe some of the reason isn't that I think they're bad kids or something, but rather that I was around a lot of conflict growing up myself, 
then they can understand me better and have more empathy toward me. Remember, your kids are supposed to empathize with you. Empathy is not unidirectional. It doesn't flow downward from the parent to the child only. If a child does not learn to empathize with their parents, they are probably not going to be learning to empathize with many other people. You interact with them constantly. The empathy from them to you should also be a focus of the interactions. Empathy is not a one-way street. And if they do not practice empathizing with you, how will they be empathizing with friends, later partners, and their own children? Okay, it's not like they just watch you and they know what to do. They have to practice. So a very little child, so let's say that you have a real bad day and you sit there at the table and you burst into tears because your car doesn't start and you can't get to school or work on time. And, you know, I'm not saying you burst into tears and you throw some shit at the wall and then you start, you know, screaming randomly. No, I'm certainly keep your shit in check. And if you can't, which sometimes we can't, especially people who struggle with depression or anxiety or anger, if you find yourself scaring your children with your reactions, you need to start therapy and you need to work on that. But I'm saying more of a normative human response to stress. So one day you burst into tears. If your child doesn't respond nicely to that, if they don't say, it's okay, mommy, yeah, watch watch for that. That's not a good sign. That means that you really have not taught them to be empathic toward you right? So if you are having a hard day, as long as every single day isn't a hard day, you know, if you are having an unusually hard day, then your child should respond with empathy. If they don't, then that is something to look out for and you have been remiss. It's very unlikely your child is a sociopath, right? Even though people may think that in the teen years, (laughs) but you probably have not trained them to be that nice to you. Okay, so you're supposed to also train them to be nice to you by saying, when mommy's crying, you, you know, you would probably come over and say, are you okay, mommy? And if you give them the script, they will come over and learn that. That doesn't mean anything bad if you have to tell them what to say. It just means, geez, you have to tell them everything. This child came out of your womb, you know, or your wife's womb. You got to um, tell them to brush their teeth. You got to tell them at some point about Santa Claus. You know, you got to tell them everything. So this is just one more thing. When somebody's crying, we come over and say, are you okay? Anyhow, so the first one is to give your child an understanding of you so that they can empathize with you and have a broader context within which to understand their own experiences. And if this experience, the experiences that you had make you too soft on them, then that is something to share. Because my dad would always hit me when I was little, a person might say, um, I try very hard never to discipline you in anything, any way that could be construed as harsh, but I realize that maybe I have been wrong in not disciplining you at all because I seem to notice that you say really mean stuff to me. And that's not okay, right? So you're trying to tell them why you have not been disciplining them or, let's say, making boundaries as firm as you need to. Then the next step is actually making the boundaries because if your kids are consistently disrespectful, it's likely not their fault. It's likely that you have not had consistent boundaries, so they don't really know what's expected of them because sometimes you get mad at them for being rude, but other times you just let it go. So the number one thing is to be consistent. Parenting needs consistency. Any sort of behavior training needs consistency. And if you bristle at the term behavior training, the entire field of cognitive behavioral therapy is based on behavior training. So yes, there's a lot of overlap between training your dog, training your kid, and training yourself 
to do new behaviors. So this is not something that is an insult to you or your child, but we are mammals and we respond to training and to uh, reinforcement and all of these things, right? Anyhow, so what you would do is try to immediately think of some things that your child does that are just going to not happen anymore. So for example, let's say that your child says to you, um, uh, you're, you're the worst mom. Let's say they like always say that. Not always, but you know, they say that frequently enough. And that's mean. You're not the worst mom. You know, I mean, you're, you're just like everybody. You're somewhere on a bell curve. So A, it's wrong. And B, it's really rude, you know? So you, you don't go around saying to your kid, you're the worst kid. And if you do, then you should stop. That's where they're getting that from. But anyhow, if you don't, and if you try to be kind of, you know, uh, nice and pleasant, and you do a lot of shit for your kid, you may not be perfect, but you're not the worst mom. So you would say, if you say you're the worst mom anymore, I take your phone. Bam. Or I take whatever TV, video games, whatever. You know how many days you're going to have to do this before they understand not to say that rude thing anymore? One, two, maybe three if your kid's real stubborn. The kids learn very quickly just like every other human does. So now I'm sure many of you that are in the overvalidation camp say, oh my God, but that's their real emotion and I'm going to be denying their real emotion just like my parents did to me. No, 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 no. That's not their emotion. Their emotion is not you're the worst parent in the world. There's other ways to say it. So then that's number three of what you're going to say. You're going to say to your child, here are some ways that you can act or deal or cope when you're feeling angry. You're not going to say you're the worst mom anymore because that's really rude. I don't want you to grow up to be somebody that says to people, you are the worst wife, husband, kid, boss, friend, because nobody likes that. It's really mean. So instead, you could say to me something like, I feel angry that you didn't let me go to the mall. And then maybe we could have a constructive conversation about it. So you could tell me your feelings, you know, and I could tell you my feelings back. But what you're not going to do is call names and you're not going to say you're the worst mom in the world. That's just not going to happen. If you do zero tolerance, I take your phone. And then you would loop back and say, I have been too soft about this before. I understand this could be confusing to you because I've let it go. And that's all on me. I should never have let it go from the first time that you said it. I should have stopped you. But I didn't. Now we're moving forward. Then I, you want to situate this in why you are creating more boundaries. You say, I love you. I love you a lot. I am happy that you are my child. What I notice, though, is when you act rude or ungrateful or whatever, and we'll get to various examples I have a hard time feeling close to you, and it seems like you have a hard time feeling close to me. I value our relationship. I want us to be close. So I got to put a stop to some of these behaviors that are stopping us from being close. So you would situate it in, I love you, and I am going to be doing boundaries for the sake of our relationship. And then also... I want you to add in positive individual time with this child on a regular basis for at least 15 minutes a day. So time where you do something that both of you think is fun for 15 minutes. I don't care if it's watching TikTok videos, whatever. Everybody doesn't have the bandwidth to do an art project, you know. I mean, let's keep it simple. 
So 15 minutes a day of time that you actually enjoy hanging out with your kid. This is showing your actions now are showing that you really do love this child and value them. And for every privilege or it's not a privilege to say you're the worst mom in the world, but you know, for everything that you're not going to let them do, I'll give you some more examples of that. There are plenty of things that you are, such as hanging out with them more, which is really what most children want. Even teenagers want the full attention of their parents for a few minutes about something that they really value. Okay, so what are other um, examples of behaviors that you can put the smackdown on in this firm, boundaried, healthy way? Uh, What about if they are saying mean things to their siblings? Could be a zero tolerance policy on that. If I hear, or it could be cursing if they're starting to curse and explore what that seems like. It could be um, opening your door or bothering you when you are working over some bullshit. I mean, that, that that's a thing. Everything that they need isn't immediate that they need it. Some kids just don't listen and they will keep coming in. Even if you are, say, I am just working for a half an hour, they will keep coming in. I see this happen with some of my clients when they're on video sessions with me, which is why video sessions are so great because I could see what actually happens in real time in their houses. Now in my house, my kids never do that. That's like literally like, I mean, the house would have to be on fire for them to bother me because I've explained super clearly that my job isn't like that. My job is HIPAA compliant. (laughs) They can't see my clients on the screen. They cannot come down ever, ever. And they're fine with that. That's a boundary. It's just like how some parents don't let the kids in when they are in the bathroom. That is a boundary. You are totally allowed to pee in private. You don't, and they're totally told, can be told not to ever knock because you're in the bathroom and you'll be out when you're done and you don't harass them when they're in the bathroom. So that's an example of something, for example. Or what if they do not say thank you? So you take them out to Chuck E. Cheese and on the way back, You say, did you like that? And they say, "Mm, uh, you know, we left too early and you didn't get me uh, a soda. And you say, because you got to train them exactly what to say, especially if you've never done that. You say, well, that's rude. What I need you to say is thank you so much for taking me, mom. And so if they look at you and they don't do that, you say, okay, so from now on, what we're going to be doing is that you thank me for stuff. It's my fault I didn't teach you so far. But if I tell you to thank me for something, that's a privilege, and you don't, then we don't do it anymore. Definitely, we don't do it anymore. This is also something that they can learn because in two weeks, when they want to go to Chuck E. Cheese again, you say, no, um, I don't think that's going to work out because last time, you know, you didn't thank me for it. So that isn't grateful to me. I don't like Chuck E. Cheese personally. I go for you. I like you to have fun, but I also like you to appreciate the nice things that I do. So we're not going to go. And if they say, no, no, I do. I love Chuck E. Cheese. I want to go. I I will. I'll say thank you. Then you can say, all right, fine. We'll try one more time. This time, unless the kid is, is, I mean, really like super oppositional, in which case, you know, you just lucked out. You'd never have to go to Chuck E. Cheese again. But this time at the end, you're going to say, so did you like Chuck E. Cheese? Do you have anything to say to me? And they're going to say, yes, thank you, mom. I like going to Chuck E. Cheese. This sort of modeling of behavior is very, very important. You need your child to understand how to interact in the world. In the future, if your son who bitches about Chuck E. Cheese not being perfect is taken to a 
birthday dinner by his girlfriend and she says oh honey did you like it and he says well you know the appetizers were cold and the ambiance could stand to be improved she's gonna dump his ungrateful ass I hope or else he's gonna end up in some sort of crazy codependent relationship with her which will make you cringe every time he treats her like garbage so you want to train your children early to be respectful and appreciative so if you also want to add in by By the way, you know, it's important for me to do things with you like Chuck E. Cheese. I did not get to do stuff like Chuck E. Cheese because my parents were drinking all the time. So nobody really uh, had Chuck E. Cheese in their mind. To me, I have this vision of Chuck E. Cheese that involves us having fun. If you don't really like it and you don't ever want to go again, that's fine. But if you do like it, but you just aren't being nice about it, then I feel sad because this is something that I'm trying to do for you. I love you. I value our relationship. But if Chuck E. Cheese is not working out and if you don't like it to the point that you could marshal up some gratitude, we don't ever have to go again. And then you be consistent and you stick to that because as I said, the very worst thing is inconsistency. So by using these tips, what you can do is you can be very clear with your child, very direct. You can open up a bit and share about your life and how it's impacted your parenting, including any mistakes about having been too soft or not having taught them about appropriate ways to respond that are nice. And you can get them to say nice things to you because if they don't, then your house starts to work like the rest of the world. It's called natural consequences. Your house starts to be a place where if you're not nice to people, things don't happen that are nice. (laughs) You always love them, you feed them, you clothe them. But if they are not grateful and appreciative, then And this is really, you know, especially starting at school age. Before that, like their brains are barely developed. You should still inculcate these things in them. But they, you know, they have less, um, they, they have less impulse control. But especially starting at school age and beyond that, most assuredly, so once they hit like 10, 11, 12, they should be polite to you or they do not get to do many privileges and they will learn this very quick. Kids are super smart. So if this podcast resonated with you, share it with your parenting partner if you have one to discuss how you could do this differently and how you could make your home an easier and calmer place by dealing more effectively with your children's disrespect and owning the fact that your own previous policies and inconsistencies may have led them astray. All right, I hope that you enjoyed this and uh, reach out with any feedback or any subsequent episode ideas. See you later, guys.